you can go ahead and turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs 17. And we are going to continue um, in our series, Bridges, which is a series on relationships. Series on relationships. As I talked about in, in, in week one and set kind of the precedent for this, this uh, series, whenever someone asks Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then he said the, the second is equally as important, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said all the law, all the prophets fall upon these two commandments. Jesus was saying was that our relationship with God and our relationship with others is the most important thing, right? Because if, if you have those two things in order, your relationship with God himself and your relationship with others around you, everything else should fall into place. Amen? So it's important that we continue to talk about relationships. So in week one, I, I uh, showed you how to revitalize all of your relationships. Week two, Pastor Todd taught on how to build a healthy marriage. Week three, I talked about ways to restore uh, to repair broken relationships. And then last week, Pastor Todd talked about building lasting relationships. This morning, I want to show you how you can eliminate strife from your life. How to eliminate strife specifically in relationships from your life. Look at Proverbs seventeen fourteen. It says this, the beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless this time in your word. Holy Spirit, have your way in me, through me, and everyone listening. Give us the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The beginning of strife may seem like a minor matter, but it often grows beyond control like a small crack in a dam, which increases in size until the dam breaks. Most of the time, when a dam breaks, it's not from one big surge of water. There's a small crack in it that over time, it begins to expand and eventually bust through that dam. Strife knows no boundaries. People who have everything still fight with each other. You ever notice that? Matter of fact, I was just talking to my father-in-law the other day, and there's a company in town. If I would say it, you know who it is, and you might figure out. But there's a, that was a it was a very successful company here in town, very wealthy family, and yet, because there was strife and fighting, that company, from what he told me, is still going, but it's nothing like it used to be. They had everything, very successful money, influence, business, and yet it, it, they, they fought over things that we're going to talk about in a minute, possessions and whatnot. Families who are supposed to be celebrating Christmas, for example, what some people call the most wonderful time of the year is still fight. Thanksgiving, Christmas, these times are supposed to be joyous times, still fight. Listen, church. Strife is a time waster, a money waster, an energy waster. It keeps couples, singles, friends, church members, and business partners from changing the world together. You know, we're talking about going to Cuba. Our vision here is to know God, live free, find your purpose, and to make a difference. You know, strife and relationships hinders people from truly making a difference in this world. Strife in the church, strife in your marriage, strife with business partners are... are the list goes on and on. Friends, whether you're single, you're, you're married, whatnot. You know, there are weight limits on bridges, especially small ones. Too much weight on a bridge can cause stress, which can lead to cracks. Like in a dam, then eventually that bridge will collapse. 
Strife works the same way in our relationships. Just like in the dam with water, we're talking about, we're using the analogy of bridges. If you have strife in your life, you may think it's just a little something here, a little something there, but eventually those little cracks, so to speak, can cause the bridges of your relationships to collapse. If you could eliminate strife from your life, you would free up your time, your mind, your emotions to be able to create, build, and change yourself and your relationships. So this morning, I want to show you where does strife come from and how can you eliminate it from your daily life. Now, of course, this I'm going to give you three things. These are not exhaustive. Of course, there's many, many things that cause strife, but these are the three major ones. Number one, and I alluded to one a while ago, strife comes from possessions and positions. Strife comes from possessions and positions. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with possessions. We talk about this all the time. But strife happens when you, whenever possessions get between us and someone we love. Sometimes the more we get, the more we fight. You've ever experienced that or seen this? The more you get, the more you fight. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 13. I'm going to set up this story as, as we turn there. Genesis 13, and, and, and as you can tell, I've been reading through and studying the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob since January. I've, I've referenced, you know, these men quite a few times, and I want to look at the life of Abram just for a minute again this morning. Just to set up the story in Genesis 13, the Lord told Abram to leave his native land and go to the land the Lord was going to show him, which we know as the promised land. Now, he was traveling with his wife and his nephew, Lot. And that's where we'll pick up the story. They're traveling to go to this land that the Lord told them to go to. He had his wife and his nephew with him. Genesis 13, 5 through 8 says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. Now he said also because it just said that Abram was very wealthy because he had flocks and herds. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, this was their currency and this was their wealth at the time. Now the land was not able to support them that they may dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. The New Living Translation says, we are close relatives. Abram's saying, listen, Because of all of our possessions, our herdsmen are beginning to fight. He saw there was strife between them. He said, we're close relatives. I don't want this strife, this fighting to spill over into our relationship. You're my nephew, and we need to do something about it. Abraham realized that there was strife between him and his nephew, and he wanted it to end. So now let's look at how he did it. If you drop down Genesis 13, 9 through 18 says, the whole countryside is open to you. He's telling Lot this. Abram's telling Lot this. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. If you want the land to the left, then I'll take the land to the right. If you prefer the land on the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zorah. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his uncle Abram. So Abram settled in the land of Canaan and Lot moved his tents to the place near Sodom and settled amongst the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. 
I am giving all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Go and walk through the land in every direction I am giving you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron and settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. There he built another altar to the Lord. See, because the land was promised to Abraham, he could have told Lot, hey, look, man, find your own place. This is my land. This is the promised land that God has promised me. He could have said, find your own land. But Abraham's generosity was an act of faith. He knew that even if he gave the whole land away, God could still give it to him and his descendants. He didn't let strife get between him and his nephew, and he also didn't let it derail his purpose or his vision. Remember, in January, we talked about about your God-given vision. This was Abraham's vision, and he wasn't going to let strife derail this. See, Abraham did not have to cling to things, whereas Lot's choices were self-seeking. The Bible says Lot took a good long look at all the land. He's like, okay, what's the best place for me to settle in? And he said he picked the fertile lands near the Jordan Valley. Listen, here's the application, church. If possessions are causing strife in your relationships, I know this will be hard for some of you. Do what Abraham did and let them take it. Let them have it. Now, you might say, Brandon, you don't understand what kind of stuff we're fighting over right now. And you're right, I don't. But as I was going over my message again this morning, it, it, I'm just reminded how many times it's, it's broke my heart that in times of, of, of parents passing and where a family should come together and be in unity and help each other out, they're fighting over the inheritance that their parents are leaving them. It's heartbreaking. And like, I get it. I know there's a lot of money tied up in some estates. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely, I get that. But is it worth it? At the end of the day, is it worth it? Because not only is it your family and your relationship, your purpose may be tied into or derailed from the strife that's going on in your life because of possessions. All these things we fight over are going to burn up and we can't take it with us anyway, church. Can't take it with us anyway. Possessions are never worth fighting over. Also, they are never worth losing a relationship with a friend, especially a family member. It's never worth it. When you do the right thing, I love this. Look at this. When you do the right thing and give up a possession, believe the Lord that he can bless you with something better. And that's that's what happened. Look, Abraham by faith said, take whatever you want. He had faith that, you know what? The Lord's going to do what he's done and said he's going to promise in my life anyway. See, God gave Abraham the entire land of Israel and Lot ended up with Sodom, a burned up city. Think about that. He camped Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where he set up. This was a sin and, and a city full of sin. The Bible alluded to that was very wicked. And we know, if you don't know, the story continues on. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So he trusted the Lord, gave him whatever he wanted, and he got the land, his, his promised possession, and Lot got a burned up city. So strife comes from possessions, but also strife comes from positions. I, I really combine these two into one point. When we see someone else becoming more influential than us, we sometimes seek to tear them down. And these work hand in hand. Sometimes when people have a lot of possessions, they might also have a lot of position. Look at 1 Samuel 18, 6 and 9. Speaking of David and King Saul, this was after David had, had killed Goliath. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home from David, returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all of the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. 
They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. David's growing influence became a threat to Saul. He saw that he was growing in his influence. And, and even though he got a credit with killing thousands, because David was credited with killing ten thousands, it became a threat. Strife began right there between David and King Saul because of David's increased position. Now listen, I've been guilty of this myself. As I was reading the scripture and was preparing for this message, I was reminded that when I first came into ministry, as a young minister, I was also threatened by other people. Whenever God began to, to use them, when they would be influential, whether it be somebody maybe my same age or around the same position I had, or even younger people, because really like this, this is what this story was about. David was the king. I mean, Saul was the king already. David was just this little shepherd boy that came along, slayed the, the, the giant. So now you have this younger, more inexperienced person that's getting more accolades than, than Saul is, and he became jealous of David. And I I have to admit, I did the same thing. We had an internship here years ago, and there were young people that we were pouring into. And man, sometimes these guys would get greater revelation than I ever got. And I felt threatened by it. I'm just being honest with you all this morning. So you know what? Strife comes from insecurity. Because that was the root of it in me. A lot of times when you're insecure and what God's doing and you in the position God's put you in, you become jealous and it starts strife with other people. See, you got to realize this, y'all. God gives people influence. And if he doesn't, listen, it won't last. If the influence in the position isn't from the Lord, eventually it will not last. Look at Psalm 75, 6 and 7. This I know. The favor that brings promotion and power doesn't come from anywhere on earth. For no one exalts a person but God, the true judge of all. He also determines where favor rests. He anoints one for greatness and brings another down to his knees. You see that? Promotion and positions come from the Lord. Listen, enjoy the status, the position, and the influence God has given you. Also, celebrate those around you that God has promoted to new positions. The Bible says rejoice with those that are rejoicing. And, and also, I got, I've gotten so convicted and have to work through this as well. If you're desiring a position, if you're desiring influence, maybe in your company, maybe in your school, maybe in, in the church, in the kingdom of God, listen, as long as you're being jealous or critical or judgmental of the person God influenced, the longer it's going to take for you to get there. And I've learned that firsthand. We have to celebrate those around us and realize, look, man, God has promoted this person. God is using this person. You know, once I got convicted and the Lord got a hold of me, he's like, man, I should be rejoicing for these young people that are flourishing underneath me. Man, God's using me to be a part of this, you know? And I changed my perspective and I realized, man, I'm going to be happy for those. I, I, I remember hearing a man of God, very influential uh, in our country, and he said, listen, he said, I can learn from people younger than me. This man's in his 70s. He said, I learned from 20-year-olds. You know, it's just like, man, when you, when you get that perspective, that's probably why he's so influential. <laughs> it's because he's humble and he's not insecure. He says, man, I learned from everybody around me. And if we can do the same thing, we can realize that possessions and positions are never worth fighting over. 
So I want to encourage you. Hey, if it's you, you have strife in your life because of possessions, man, let them have it. Trust the Lord. He can give you something greater. And listen, if there's a, a position that you are desiring or you see somebody else around, rejoice with those people and trust that if it's the Lord, they're going to keep flourishing and you will flourish as well. Amen? Number two, strife comes from expectations. Strife comes from expectations. Look at Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous is joy, but the expectation of the wicked comes to nothing. Maybe a family member didn't give you what you expected. Perhaps the raise you thought was yours went to someone else. Maybe a friend may have not been there for you at the time you really needed them. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Strife thrives when expectations are assumed. Strife thrives when expectations are assumed. When you assume something, an expectation that you put on someone or a certain thing that they never even, you know, remotely promised or alluded to at all, you just have or we have an expectation of someone or some situation and it doesn't come to pass, strife will thrive in that situation. You know, I'm always encouraged as we talk about this because we can always see in the Bible where even great men of God, things like this happen. There was strife between a couple of disciples in the Bible because of expectations. And it's found in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. See, Paul expected that John Mark was going to continue with them in their work. And when he didn't, the Bible says that they had a sharp disagreement. Agreement. Him and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement because Paul's expectations of John Mark was not fulfilled. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't allude to. And I read and tried to find. We don't know why he deserted. We don't know why he went back or nothing. But I know there was an expectation or Paul wouldn't have been so upset. Thankfully, the strife between Paul and John Mark was eventually healed. We know that because in 2 Timothy 4.11, Paul says this. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. This is Mark, same one, John Mark, that he was talking about. See, Paul's assessment that Mark would be helpful shows forgiveness and redemption, which is what I'm hoping today for everyone that's dealing with strife in your relationship. I'm only on my second second point here, but I want to just pause and say, no matter how much strife's in your life, in your relationships, and no matter how long it's been going on, just like Paul and Mark, there can be forgiveness and redemption. There can be restoration, as I talked about a couple weeks ago as well. So listen, what's the application for our life? Talk about expectations. It all comes back down to communication. In marriage, my wife and I hit some major walls because we had expectations of each other that, that were assumed that we had never talked out in detail. We thought we talked about it, you married couples, you ever thought that you had a conversation about something and it was clear? And then you find out, like, sadly, years later that it wasn't clear? And there's been strife for a, quite a while, right? Y'all laughing because y'all know it's true, right? Right? We have to be clear about expectations. Talk about them. Make them plain. Make them clear. 
Don't assume someone in you, you're in a relationship with knew or should have known. If you haven't made it clear, if they haven't made it clear, don't assume that, well, you should have known this. You're my husband. You should have known this. You're my wife. We've been married for 16 years now. I always mess with my wife and I'll say something like, well, you didn't do that. And jokingly, I'm like, baby, it's been 16 years. You haven't learned to read my mind yet. You know, and she's always like, I'm still working on it, baby. I'm sorry. You know, so right. And I say it jokingly because I assume she should have known something that I never talked to her about. Newsflash. Mind reading is not a gift of the spirit. Okay, so nobody has that. And if you want to be clear about expectations in your life, you're going to have to communicate about them. So if there's strife in your life due to, to, to unrealistic expectations, you need to talk about them. And this applies to any relationship. I'm using marriage as an example, but any relationship, friendships, classmates, coworkers, church members, brothers and sisters, any relationship with you in. If you're in the workplace and you expect that somebody should be doing a certain job or doing it a certain way or whatever the case, whether you're a supervisor, whether you're not, whether you're just same playing field as another coworker, the expectations have to be clear or eventually there will be strife. Assume the best about their intentions until it is clear that they have bad intentions. Some of you need to hear that again. Assume the best about their intentions until it is clear that they have bad intentions. So many times, and the enemy will use this, we jump to, oh, I know why they said that or they did that, probably because of X, Y, and Z. They're out to get me. Are they trying to do this? And don't assume somebody's always out to get you. Don't, ins- I-, I try my best and I don't always do. I try my best to, to, to think the best of people, to give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Right? Even in our court system, it's what? Innocent until proven guilty. For us, when it comes to expectations, we need to have the mindset that they're innocent until proven guilty. Right? And then if they show themselves, okay, then you, then you understand. They might be very clear about it and be honest about what they were trying to do. It's like, okay, well, that, I, I, I get it now. But don't assume the worst in somebody. Believe the best in them. Expectations are never worth fighting over. And the third and final thing, which this is the biggest one, and again, this is not the, the all-in-all list, but <laughs> this number three pretty much sums up where a lot comes from. Strife comes from words. Strife comes from the words we speak. An argument, maybe a, you know, as Christians, we like to call it a heated discussion, or like I think Pastor Taz is an intense time of fellowship. You know, there's different, different ways we can say it, right? We were fighting, man, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know. Maybe a slip of the tongue, a misplaced word can be with James caused a spark that can start a forest fire. Look at James 3.6. It says, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. Listen to this. For it is set on fire by hell itself. And what that means is that some of the words we speak are inspired or are, 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 are backed by the pit of hell. By the devil himself. That I've looked at it in many different translations. I looked at it. But break down the Greek word. It means that these words literally are birthed from the pit of hell. You think some strife comes from some words? This is what the Bible tells us. The tongue can act as an agent of the whole unrighteous world which is opposed to God. 
James said our words, again, could set our whole life on fire. So we're talking about relationships. You think of one relationship, a friendship, a coworker, a marriage. But he said our words can set our entire life on fire. Everything you touch can be set on fire and can be full of strife by the words that you speak. I want to read it again in a different translation. And the message says this. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. Listen to this. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world. We could turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation. Oh, come on, somebody. Send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. In other words, a lot of strife can come from our words we speak, right? When there's harmony, you can throw it into chaos and disunity by the words you speak. You can mess up somebody's reputation. It's funny when it says that slinging mud. Again, we're in an election year, man. You, there's mud everywhere, right? I mean, it's like that's the main campaign now. And it's, a fun, it's funny how some of these politicians are like, and I didn't even do anything. I didn't say nothing bad about that. I'm like, really? Like, have you watched your own commercials or emails or whatever? Even our local, uh, something local. I'm not going to get onto that, that. There's a lot of mud slinging going on, right? Let me back off of that. And what happens? It causes strife, right? Have you ever known, and look, I'm only 42 years old. Have you ever known more, uh, uh, that there's been more strife in politics and our media than we have today. It's, it's, it's insane. It's crazy. And where does it come from? Words. Cause now your words can come from here too. Don't even have to be the word you speak. And I think that's why there's even more strife. Cause we got a lot of keyboard warriors out there that just hide behind their phones or their tablets and can say whatever they want to say and hit send. And there's no, I mean, there's repercussions, but there's nobody right there face to face. I wonder if half of the people would say half the things if that person was standing in front of their face. Strife comes from our words. Listen, the subtitle of this series is Burning or Building Relationships. Bridges, Burning or Building Relationships. Question for you this morning. Are you burning down relationships in your life with the words you speak? Are you burning down your relationships? You remember, a bridge connects two different pieces of water. If you burn that bridge, that's been a saying for years, man, you just burn that bridge. It's gone. It's done. You cannot connect with that person anymore. Have you totally burned bridges because of the words that you've spoken? Let's keep reading some more in James chapter 3. James 3, 7 through 11. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Isn't that crazy? It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with fresh water and bitter water? Well, you know, he asked that question. And he's obviously, he's in Israel writing this, you know, this, this letter and sending this letter. And so there actually are some springs in Israel, especially in the upper sources of the Jordan River, that did produce fresh water and bitter water. But such brackish springs could not support a town. So what is James saying? In the same way, if a person's speech mixes blessing and cursing, it will not be able to build up relationships. 
It won't be able to do it. Just like in, in Israel, those springs that were brackish, it, it can't, it can't support a town. They needed fresh waters, fresh springs to be able to have drinking water and water they can cook with and wash their clothes and do all of that kind of stuff. And it's true, church. Sometimes we both bless and curse in the same line sometimes, in the same sp- conversation. These things ought not be. Listen, if a word came out of your mouth in anger or strife, apologize for it. Tell your friend, your spouse, or family member that you said the wrong thing. I mean, we've been talking about this throughout this series. Both me and Pastor Todd have talked about the importance of apologizing. Remember I talked about bringing a gift to restore relationships. And and unlike, you know, uh, Jacob that brought herds and cattle, the, one of the biggest gifts you can give is, I'm sorry. What I said was wrong, and I'm sorry. Listen, don't try to resolve strife from words with more words that don't start with I'm sorry. Because when you try to justify it, that forest fire just rages even thicker and thicker. When you try to justify a wrong from your words, the best thing you can do is start out with I'm sorry. Listen, Proverbs 26, 20 says this, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer, strife ceases. If you can control your words, if we, let me say this, can control our words, then strife would cease. Or there's no wood, the fire goes out, right? I barbecued yesterday, and once the coals started going down, I covered, you know, my, my barbecue pit, closed up all the vents to make sure to try to smother it out, you know? If I would have went back, poured some more coals, put some more lighter fluid, it could have kept going, or a, a campfire, bonfire, right? As it goes down, you continue to throw, you know, uh, wood on it. But if you stop it, the fire will cease. It's the same way with us. If we can control our tongue, isn't it amazing? James says we can control all these kind of animals. Yet he says, no one can tame the tongue. Come on, we need the Lord's help. If you want strife to cease in your life, you need the Lord's help. Listen, words are never worth fighting over. So as we close, again, these are just a few primary sources. There are many, many more. Wouldn't you agree? But for time's sake, these are three of the major ones. So what is the opposite of strife? It's unity. The opposite of strife is unity. Listen, unity is not the absence of strife, but the courage to refuse it. Let me say that again. Unity is not the absence of strife, but the courage to refuse it. When there's strife begin to brew or that's bubbling in one of your relationships, unity says, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop this right now. You remember, just like a, a crack in a bridge or in a dam to say, hey, look, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my finger on this little crack in this little hole right now before it turns into something way bigger. And I wanted to say this earlier. When, when I'm talking about some, some strife that I found, because, you know, thankfully, you know, when I was dealing with that insecurity stuff, I didn't allow it to spill over, thankfully, into my friends and coworkers and stuff. But the strife was going on inside. Sometimes the strife is just right here. It's in our mind, and it still affects us the same way. It can still affect the relationship. Let me say that. It can still affect the relationship even if they don't even know about it because of what you're dwelling on, what you're thinking about, your perception of that person. But unity says, you know what? I'm going to have the courage to stop strife in its tracks. Let's read Proverbs 17, 14 again. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Stop strife in its tracks 
while it is still small. We all know it's a lot easier to stop a dripping faucet than a raging fire hydrant, right? It's way easier. So listen, you might be at different levels of strife in your life right now. Hopefully you're not. You're like, hey, Brandon, I'm good, man. Or, you know, but maybe you are. Maybe throughout your, with all of the people in this room, with all the different relationships we have, you may have some strife. And it may just be a little trickle right now. Hopefully that's all it is. It's like that little faucet, that irritating faucet in your bathroom that keeps dripping, right? Maybe it's just that. Maybe you're at a point where it's a raging fire hydrant right now and the dam's starting to break or maybe has already broken. Either way, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Just to recap, listen, cool down and apologize. If you said some words, you, you shouldn't have apologized for it. Set up a time to talk with that person about the wrong words that you spoke. Set up time to talk about wrong expectations. What are the wrong expectations that you've had of that person that they maybe never shared or never, you just assumed that they would do or not do? Make that clear, whether it's in your marriage or, or friends, family, coworkers, brothers and sisters in the church. Talk about disappointments that cause strife. If you have, if you're fighting over possessions and, and positions, remember, man, just release those things and trust the Lord that he can and will bless you with something better, just as he did with Abraham. Amen. Now listen, as you heard Matt say in video analysis, we already have a lot of life groups going on and we already have some marriage life groups going on. If there's strife in your marriage, my wife and I are going to be starting a marriage life group this Wednesday night, 6.30 p.m. in the Next Steps room. It's going to be a, a, a well, probably a five-week uh, marriage life group. And listen, you might not be in strife. I still encourage you to come. Again, you can still grow in your marriage, but what I'm talking about today, it might be between husband and wife. And I want to encourage you to, if, if you can, jump in hours. Again, there's a few other ones. I know the parfaits are doing one in a little while. I think there's two more going on right now. But I want to encourage you. And listen, even in these marriage life groups, you can come to these sometimes, even as a single person or as somebody else, and still learn the same principles for your other relationships as well. So we're giving you these things about relationships, but we're encouraging you to jump into to life groups so you can go deeper and further your, your, the, the health of relationships in your life. Amen? So I want to encourage you to join us for that this Wednesday, 630 in the Next Steps room. Do me a favor. Go ahead and bow your head with me. Let's do some inventory like we like to do every, every week we talk, we share, we preach. Is there strife going on in your life? Think about it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there strife in, your, in, in, in some of your relationships? Maybe your marriage. Maybe with your children. I don't even talk about that. Maybe you have adult children. And even some of your little children. There's strife. There's, you, you know, we can even put unreal expectations on our children. Forget that they're only children. And expect them to know everything we know and do everything. Maybe it's coworkers. Maybe it's, you know... Again, maybe it's somebody sitting in this room, one of your brothers and sisters right here in the body of Christ. I want you to ask the Lord to help you right now. If it's over possessions or positions at your job or even in the church, man, release it. Release those things to the Lord. Come on, rejoice for those that have been promoted in their positions and influence. And trust God that, 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 that he's going to promote you as well. Maybe it's words. Maybe you've said some very ugly, hurtful words to a spouse, your child, children, a brother, sister, your mom or your dad. Even, even as an adult, again, 
Maybe you said some hurtful words, some disrespectful words. The Bible says, honor our father and mother. Maybe you need to apologize and tell your parents, tell your spouse, tell your children, listen, I've been disrespecting you. This is, I have not honored you. And I know it's caused strife in our life. Maybe it's just been very, just put downs or insults, whatever the case may be. Y'all, we don't want to burn bridges. We want to build them up. Amen. Let's pray over these three things. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help every single person that is dealing with strife in their life. And whatever may be the cause, maybe it's something that's not even on this list, Lord. Again, this is many other things. I pray that you would show my brothers and sisters right now what it is that's causing strife in their life. What's the root of the strife in their relationships? Lord, God, and give them the strength, give them the grace to, to, to eliminate it out of their lives, to work on unity. Lord, I pray, Lord God, just for a spirit of unity right now. Come on, how many of y'all say, Brandon, I desire to have unity in my relationship. That's you, just lift up your hands and say, man, I want a spirit of unity. Psalm 133 says, you know, that that when when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, like the Lord is, he's in it. He blesses it. It's it's like there's an anointing on it. It's refreshing. Lord, I pray for those relationships that are full of strife. Lord God, that you would, Lord God, pour out blessings of unity, Lord God, that would that be a strong anointing to break the yoke of strife, that you would command your blessing, and that you would refresh every single relationship represented here in this building. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now before we go, I want to read one more scripture. John 10.10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you may have life Life in all is fullness. So the devil's whole purpose is to create strife in your life, right? That's a that's another way you can put that. To kill, still and destroy. I mean, that's there's strife all intertwined in all of that. But Jesus came to set us free from strife and to give us eternal life. If you would you wouldn't mind, one more time, just bow your head with me right where you at. And you say, you might say, Brandon. The strife I have is is in my relationship with God. Or maybe I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. Jesus came to give you abundant life, an overflowing life, and eternal life. We have to realize the Bible says we've all sinned. You remember the Bible talked about Sodom being a wicked city. Well, listen, all of us were born wicked and into sin. And the Bible says in Romans 3.23, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the wages of sin is death. It still is and it always will be. But the free gift is eternal life through Christ Jesus. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you admit and you repent and say, I know I've sinned and I want to turn away from my sin and turn to God right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God, but I want to get right today. I just want you to slip up your hand and I want to pray with you. Say, man, I want this strife between me and God going. Sir, ma'am, I see your hand back there. Hands going up right here in the middle. Thank you, Jesus. On my left. Anybody else? Come on, anyone else? Over here to the right, in the back. Hands still going up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Today, you can be restored with a right relationship with God. Come on, I've been praying for you. I was praying for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? I see your hand, ma'am. Thank you. See, hands still going up. Anybody else? This is your time. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to just pray a simple prayer with me because the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So just pray something like this. It doesn't even have to be exact. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me and thank you for dying for me. 
Thank you for taking my place. I know that I've sinned. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I've ever committed. I turn to you today and I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you and to serve you all the days of my life. Today, Lord, I begin to build my relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these. Thank you, Lord. Come on, their position just changed today, amen? Their position just changed the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or if it's been a long time, because you know what, every morning, I just want to say this. I, I say I've been praying for you. I pray that not only those that have never known the Lord would come to the Lord, but if you've been away from the Lord a long time, remember the story of the prodigal son. The Lord, he sees you, he loves you, and he's running to you to embrace you to welcome you back into his family and into his house. Amen. So fill out the card in the pew in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Bring it to the info center in the lobby on your way out. Why don't you stand up and I want to pray a blessing over you as you go today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these, my brothers and sisters. May there always be unity in our hearts, Lord God, between us and you, Lord, between each other in this church, in the body of Christ as a whole, all through Acadiana and all through our state and nation, even the world, Lord. May there be unity in the body of Christ. May, Lord God, we work to eliminate strife. Help us to do that, Lord, in every aspect. I pray your blessing, peace, and grace be upon all these as they go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you. If not, God bless you. Hope to see you Wednesday night.